It's March Madness, and my bracket is totally busted. I don't know. What, what about you, Cassie? Busted. Busted, busted. I mean, I don't know. I can never win. Can never win. No, me neither. I do have Kentucky and Florida going to the championship. They're still alive, but everybody else is done. So. Oh yeah, I I mean I had Duke winning. I didn't I I don't know why I, they won how many games six ACC games or something like that, and I thought they were gonna win like six more in a row. It wasn't my best choice, but. Ooh, that's that's tough. Well, you know what? Good news. We have another blank slate this week as sixty four players head to Austin, Texas for the WGC match play. So we have a new blank slate. If you want to fill out a bracket again, you're gonna have another chance to do this. Unique format where there are 16 pools of four players around Robin format will be employed for the first three matches. And then one player from each pool will advance from there. 16 players will play single elimination until we have a champion. Cassie, do you like the format? Love the format? Hate the format? Where do you stand here? See, I really like this format. I never was a fan of the one and done thing. Were you? No, not really. Cause I mean, some guys just went and they were done by, by Wednesday and then you never get to see them again. Right. And I don't know, I kind of feel like it's a wasted trip for them too. Like you don't get to play golf as like any holes. You, you play 18, not even 18 maybe, you know. So I, I, I like this. This is appealing to me. I think it's appealing to like the television viewers where they get to see a lot of matches, a lot of stuff going on. I mean, where else can you see like Sergio Garcia and John Rahm going up against each other? That's I think that's really, really cool. The All-American group of Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, Jason Dufter, Kevin Kistner. Uh, I think that sets up for a, a really cool ending, you know? I mean, an American is going to come out of it, obviously, but um, I, I just really like this format, and I like how it sets up for everything and everyone. Agree. It's kind of like soccer a little bit when they do the, the World Cup and they have the, the pools and a, a yeah. team comes out of that. I, I kind of like it. One thing I would like to change is, to, for me, I'm not a big proponent of losing and then being able to win the whole thing so what i would like to see is maybe the first two rounds be stroke play and then <laughs> seed the guys one through 32 only take 32 of the 64 and then play it out from there with single elimination i think that would be kind of cool more like a uh, a u.s amateur kind of style almost like henrik stetson yeah. was uh, was saying yeah thinking that or maybe like a point system like if you win you get two points but if you lose you get zero if you you know, if you tie, you get a point, mm -hmm. you know, something yeah. something along those lines, too, wouldn't wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, definitely. But I, I do think that this is a better format than they had before, because remember, Nick O'Hearn beat Tiger a couple of times and then Tiger yeah. was gone in the first round. And that happened every year. Someone big was, was gone right off the bat. And, right. you know, people people not even getting off of work on Wednesday and all of a sudden the, the, the big player in the in the match play is gone. So I like this format. I understand that. So moving on to our winners of the week. What a moment for Mark Leishman as he won the red cardigan at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. The first year the event was contested about the King. Leishman's putter saved him down the stretch, including his 51-foot eagle conversion on the 16th hole that put him ahead for good. His wife, Audrey, was given what, what a 5% chance to live just two years ago. Leishman thought he would have to stop playing the game to be a single father. Now she is better. I'm pregnant with the couple's third child. Mark is heading back to the Masters. All is well. What a great story that was on Sunday. Yeah, what an unbelievable finish. That was that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, on the LPGA Tour at the Bank of Hope Founders Cup, it was Anna Norquist 
who shot a third-round course record 61 to follow that up with a 68 on Sunday and a two-shot victory over Aria Jutanagarn, Inji Chun, and Stacey Lewis. Um, Nordquist finished at 25 under where birdies had to be made in order to stay in the race at Wildfire Golf Club at JW Marriott Phoenix Desert Ridge Resort. One thing I love about the LPGA, Cassie, is that it seems every week their top players are all in contention. Isn't that, yeah, that that's I love awesome, it. isn't it? I mean, this week, I mean, the top 10 players in the world, I think every single one of them was right around being in contention. Stacey Lewis was there. Aria Jutanagarn was there. Uh, Lydia Ko was was in the mix. I mean, everyone was right around the uh, the top of the leaderboard there. And 23 of the top 25 players in the world would be teeing it up this week in Carlsbad for the KA Classic before the first major of the year. You have to love the LPGA right now. Oh, just great for the game, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Lehman spoiled <laughs> Steve Stricker's Champions Tour debut by making a late charge to win the Tucson Conquistadors at Omni National in Arizona. Stricker led by two on the 16th tee, but went bogey, birdie, bogey, while Lehman went birdie, birdie, par. It's Lehman's 10th win on the Champions Tour. Very nice. I was really hoping Steve Stricker was going to pull it Me out, Me too. Though. Me too. I have to right? say. That, that would have been, nice. been cool for him. Uh, at the San Francisco City Championship, where we are very proud to say that we paid for the Greens fees um, at this year's championship, so yay, yay to us, a little shout out for us. <laughs> it was Brian Ma who came away victorious on the last hole of the 36-hole final in the men's division. He defeated 16-year-old Seb Cookrall-Nixon. In the women's division, it was 15-year-old Sabrina Iqbal winning the title for the second year in a row. Iqbal won 10-9. and nine. Wow. Wow, wow, Ooh. wow. Over... Kieran Sengja, if I pronounce that correctly, hopefully. Um, in the senior division, it was Gary Veneer, who won in 20 holes over Rich Rowley. Um, Veneer was up four, four up through 12, but Rowley fought his way back um, on the 18th, and they, he took it to 20 holes, but unfortunately fell short. It was Veneer's fourth San Francisco City Championship senior title. So congrats to all the winners out there. Just to go back for a second, did you say someone won 10 to 9? Ten and nine. Ten yeah. and ten and, and she, nine. Excuse me. Ten, ten and nine. Yes, and she was fifteen years old. So, so that is correct me if I'm wrong. That is winning every hole. So she, she did not lose a um, hole. Thirty-six hole final. Thirty-six hole. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Thirty-six hole final. But still, still I mean, ten, ten and nine, and fifteen years old. Like, wow. That is some some domination right there. Yeah, that is some right? serious. Have to yeah. have to watch out for her. One yeah. more thing we, before we bring on Steve Eubanks. The Palmer Cup rosters were announced last week. Team USA includes Maverick McNeely, Jimmy Stanger, Sam Burns, Colin Morikawa, and others. Team Europe will include Hannes Ronblad of Texas Tech, Christopher Ventura, uh, Harry Ellis of Florida State. Anything uh, stand out with you uh, on that list? Um, no, not really. It's going to be a really good match. I think um, they're they're very equally you know um, talented these teams and. Mm. Um, again, it's going to be the first one without Mr. Palmer around and, um, Atlanta Athletic Club, I believe. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it should, it should be a really good match, uh, come June. Absolutely. What a year Sam Burns is having for, for LSU. And, uh, he's, he's been, he's been terrific this year. This is the last Palmer Cup where the U.S. will play Europe. In, uh, 2018, the competition will be a mixed teams event with both men and women, and it will be Americans against everybody else. I like that though. Get the girls involved. Absolutely. I think Mr. Palmer would like that. That's absolutely. That's what he would want. 
And right now we're going to welcome on Steve Eubanks to talk a variety of topics today, which is going to be awesome. But first, Steve, I still have snow on the ground up here and a lot of it. Have you got to play golf down in Atlanta yet this year? Well, Cassie, I was actually going to ask you, should I wear white or tan shorts today to the golf course? Exactly. (laughs) Must be nice. Um, I'm bundled up in a scarf and hat still. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, we, we we have daylight savings time so we can slip out. We can get in yeah. uh, usually a full 18 holes, you know, in the in the early afternoon. So it's 82 oh, in be. Florida right now. I'm just I'm just saying. All right. All right. <laughs> Cassie, no one held a gun to your head and made you live up there. That's true. That's true. Head, head south, young lady. We would love to have you. <laughs> Thanks. Come on down. Steve, last Wednesday you wrote a great piece on uh, what transpired with Muirfield and all of the criticism that has come along with their kind of begrudging decision to admit female members, contrasted with the lack of criticism the European tour receives for going to places like Dubai, where their culture is far more twisted and, and convoluted. Why are we giving them a pass? That is a great question and one that I have consistently asked and have yet to get uh, anything approaching a decent answer to. Um, sure. I mean, look, the, the I am glad that Muirfield and since then, the course in Tokyo that is going to host the Olympics in 2020, they have both come out and said, you know what, we are going to open up our membership up to full equality. Um, women can't, in the case of Muirfield, uh, women can apply for members and be and be treated equally to the uh, to the applicants that the uh, male members that you have uh, the same is true in the at the course in Japan and yet when you look at uh, the United Arab Emirates um, I mean there was there was a couple that has just been released from prison there for having premarital sex because she was pregnant and they weren't married I mean this is the kind of of society that the European tour, uh, has gotten in with. I mean, they they have, they have three events over there, including uh, the the season long race to Dubai, which Dubai is in the United Arab Emirates. So when you look at the laws uh, re- regarding all kinds of societal things that we in the West just sort of take for granted these days, uh, the morality laws in the Middle East are far more draconian than they are anywhere else, and yet we seem to give them a pass which I cannot for the life of me understand. If you're going to make social issues the part of the fabric of golf, and that's exactly what we've done with the Muirfield decision, then you have to include places like uh, Dubai and Qatar and the other uh, Middle Eastern countries where the tour visits. Yeah, no, the, I, I, I agree with you with that on Steve. And, and you brought up the um, Olympic golf course in Japan. And how they have eliminated restrictions on female members after it it was threatened that they might not be able to host. Is there is that a different situation here, or are we looking at the same type of thing with Mirfield? No, I think it's the same type of situation. They bowed to pressure. You know, the 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 societal pressure was if you don't make these changes and bow to our wishes uh, from a from an inclusion standpoint, you know, we're going to pull the uh, pull the Olympics from you. And now that that was never specifically said, but it was certainly implied. And so I think the pressure was simply too great. And and look, I, I don't understand particularly the media's obsession with this, because they'll go after Muirfield tooth and nail, uh, but they, they don't go after the Emiratis, which is astonishing to me, uh, where the, you know, the, this is, these, the policies over there 
are are really when you look at them, particularly consider um, considering some of their policies uh, towards the homosexual community, it, it is astonishing to me that anyone continues to uh, do business with them or uh, or at the very least ignores that sort of thing. We simply hold the Arabs of the Emirates to a different standard than we do the gentlemen of Edinburgh or the men in um, in Tokyo. And that's unacceptable. Steve, I guess my, my question with this whole thing is, I mean, golf is played in a lot of different places around the world. And some of those places are going to have discriminating cultures. I mean, should tournaments not be contested in places like uh, India, where they have human trafficking, or going back a few decades, a place like South Africa, where there are deep racial divides? What, what is the line that we have to look at in terms of, of where to host tournaments? Wherever that line is, it needs to be consistent. Yeah. I mean, that's all, I, all I'm saying here is is if you're going to go after the, the, the gentleman of Muirfield, you have to pr- apply those same standards around the world to the to the Qataris, uh, to the to the Emiratis, uh, all of the, the places in the Middle East where they to the Indians, all of the places uh, in these in these foreign countries where we are going now to play these events. You, if you draw the line, fine, but it has to be a clear line and everybody has to fall on one side or the other of it. Uh, right now, it's it's a vague line, and you're giving exceptions to some and not to others. I actually, from a personal standpoint, think we ought, golf ought to be completely divorced from that sort of thing because once you start down this slippery slope, there's always going to be a membership or an ownership or some situation where you don't like what this particular club is doing. Um, and I'll, I'll just I'll just throw out an example. I mean, uh, Trump National in Bedminster is going to host the U.S. Women's Open this year. Well, I know there have been, uh, with all of the protests that have been going on about President Trump, I'm just wondering what's going to happen when the USGA hosts their female championship uh, at this at this golf course. But and what's maddening about it is, while I do anticipate there to be plenty of protests, I'm just wondering where's the consistency? Why in the world would you do this? And yet, the two events that have previously been held in the Emirates haven't drawn a peep of protest. Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually saw a report that there might be actually a women's march at Trump Bedminster come when the when the U.S. Women's Open is there. Have you heard anything about that? Oh, I anticipate that to be the case. I mean, okay. you, you, you have a, you know, there is a certain element that is going to go out and protest every time there's a camera uh, and every time that, uh, that they can gain some attention for, for something or another. And so, especially in the summer, which is kind of the crazy season for politics anyway. So I do expect there to be uh, a number of protesters who show up, if not organized, at least, you know, kind of cobbled together. Um, and I'm sure the USGA has ha, knows that's coming and have, have made uh, have made plans. They won't share it with anyone, obviously, because they don't want to tip their hand in terms of the security that they're providing. But uh, but that will, in fact, be the case. Right. Right. All right. Moving on to a little bit of a different topic. You recently read Tiger's new book on the 1997 Masters. We usually know he keeps things pretty close to the vest, but there are some moments where he turns a little light and he lets us in. Is, is that right? There is. And look, I, I mean. This is a very tedious book in that it goes shot for shot uh, through the 97 Masters. And if you're not really, really into golf, uh, it's not going to be your cup of tea. But I I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it because I remember that week vividly like everyone else uh, and, and the historic nature of it. So it was wonderful to go back and relive his thought process. 
uh, a lot of the things that motivated him. Uh, the, the point at which he thought, okay, you know what, now I can relax. Uh, I've got this in hand. The, there, were, there were a lot of things that went, go into uh, Tiger's thinking and strategy and that sort of thing that go into this. But there's also, you're looking at a reflective moment from him. You're looking at a 41-year-old looking back on a 21-year-old. Uh, and in a lot of cases, he's he's regretful. You know, he's regretful that he handled uh, the Fuzzy Zeller situation the way he did. Um, but again, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a 21 year old who simply was just not equipped uh, to handle something that uh, that big that came up that quickly. Um, you know, he, he regrets he regrets a lot of things. And it, I love a lot of the things that he does when he talks about his father. Uh, because it's it's very obvious when you when you dive into this book that he is still in the grief process this many years later uh, for his dad. He misses him greatly. And I, I think that uh, Tiger has matured enough now that he's able to communicate that in, in these pages. One thing you wrote in your column uh, this this past Monday in, in Global Golf Post, Steve, is that Tiger doesn't really see black and white, and it's an incredible ability that he has to just kind of see everyone at, at for who they are. Um, what have you kind of learned over the years about, about his ability to do that? I, I, that's the that's perhaps his most admirable trait. And the one thing that I have always admired about him from the very beginning, I mean, from the time he was a 20-year-old and was out winning U.S. amateurs, uh, he has been, from the get-go, as colorblind as anybody I have ever been around. Uh, he, he couldn't care less what race you are, couldn't care less about skin color. He, he just completely divorces himself from all that, almost to the point where – he doesn't understand why anybody else makes a big deal out of it. Mm. Um, so, so it's it, it really he is at the place that we we kind of hope everyone will eventually get to, uh, where we don't look at anybody based on on the color of their skin, but by the content of their character and by the the merit that they deserve. Uh, and Tiger has always been that way. And I think that if you if you want to emulate anything that this man has done, don't look at his golf. Uh, don't look at his interaction with the press. Don't look at some of the things he's done in his personal life. Look at this. This is the one thing that Tiger has done that I think is worthy of emulation. Perhaps a little bit under the radar. We don't really talk about that too much in the media. But move, moving on to his golf game, finish this sentence for me, Steve. If Tiger were to tee it up in the Masters uh, less than three weeks from now, you would what? Um, take the over on 75. <laughs> I like that. That's a good answer. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, we can't let you go without talking about a little LPGA. Uh, Anna Nordquist uh, used an 11 under 61 on Saturday that ended up being the difference as she won the Founders Cup out in Phoenix. Even though she's won five times in the past four seasons and is now number 11 in the world rankings, which quietly has moved up there, do you feel like she doesn't get talked about as much as she deserves? She doesn't, and she doesn't because she's had very few multiple win seasons. She's only had one one year, two thousand and nine, in which she's won twice. Uh, but she has since you know, for the last four years been incredibly consistent, uh, and has has kind of quietly moved herself up into the the top tier of conversation every time she plays. And I will say this about Anna Nordquist: if no, for those who really haven't paid attention to her or have never seen her hit a shot, 
when her iron game gets rolling, it looks like every shot's going in the hole. I've never seen a woman hit it so straight and so close with her iron so consistently. Um, I, I will tell you, if she she could put a lick, she would have already won three times this year. Um, but she she really is is tremendous in terms of uh, her ball striking. It's uh, uh, if that's if that's kind of the thing you like in women's golf, she's the person to go see. Six foot tall and uh, definitely a powerful player. And uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm betting the over on six feet tall. Too. Okay. I've stood next, I've stood next to her when she's wearing flats and she's a lot taller than that. <laughs> so from Anna to the A&A inspiration uh, coming in just over a week out of Mission Hills. They always did tr- a tremendous job with that tournament. Love when the winner uh, goes into Poppy's Pond there at the end. Is there any one you have an eye on heading into that week? Well, I'm going to be interested in seeing how Lydia Ko does this week. This is the time of year uh, when I don't know if it's her biorhythms or, or what kicks in, but this is when she usually starts to excel. Uh, she's the defending champion this week at the, at the uh, Kia Classic, uh, and obviously she uh, will be the defending champion next week at the ANA. and she has been playing incredibly good golf. I mean, I, I know that we all looked at her swing changes and we thought, boy, I just wonder if this is ever going to take. Um, she played 72 holes last week without making a single bogey uh, and and really found a lot of fairways, drove it well, didn't have the putter working as well as she has in the past. But uh, if she gets that going, uh, I think we can put all of those questions about Lydia in the past and uh, and, and move ahead and say, Hey, this girl can really can really get the job done. The other player that I want to talk about a little bit is Soyeon Yu, who is knocked on the door time and time again, and she is another player. Her work with Cameron McCormick has uh, has just been tremendous from a from an overall driving standpoint, greens and regulation, and proximity to hole. She's the best ball striker on tour right now. So uh, this is another player. If she can ever get the putter figured out, uh, she'll win three or four times a year. Steve Eubanks, always a pleasure. Thanks. Good to talk to you. And now we're on to the schedule this week. Um, obviously, it's match play week. Yay. Uh, WGC Dell Technologies match play. What a tongue twister that is. <laughs> but anyways, that begins Wednesday. Don't forget that. Wednesday at Austin Country Club in Texas. The match play bracket is already out. It's set. There's some really good groups and matches to be played. So let's get this week rolling on Wednesday this week, one day earlier. What a great, uh, great venue for match play. A lot of fun holes on that on that golf course. The uh, PGA Tour will also be playing in Puerto Rico this week at Cocoa Beach Golf and Country Club. Graham McDowell, Ian Poulter, Luke List, Graham Dillette, some of the names expected to uh, contend there. After roughly a month off, the Web.com Tour is back with the Louisiana Open at Lee Triumph Golf and Country Club. All five on the Web.com Tour money list, Andrew Putnam, Ethan Tracy, Andrew Landry, Kyle Thompson, and Roberto Diaz are all in the field this week. And at the Kia Classic, before the first major of the year at the ANA Inspiration, um, they're going to be in Carlsbad, California this week. Like I said earlier, 23 of the top 25 players in the world will be there, including defending champion Lydia Ko, who always seems to play well this time of year, as Steve Eubanks pointed out. And now on to Bingo Bango Bongo for the WGC Match Play Championship. Cast no show last week, so we'll go right into this week's picks for what is always an adventurous week, no matter what the format is. My player to win, Austin's Texas's own, well, he went to school there at least, Jordan Spieth. 
I think he is uh, is primed to make a run in in match play this week. Yeah, that, that's a good choice. Obviously, the hometown boy. Um, I'm going to go with Jason Day, um, a winner in the past. Um, let's see if he can get back into form a little bit. Um, you know, with the Masters just under two weeks away, he he got he WD'd a few weeks ago, and uh, I, I'm just hoping he gets into form for the first major of the year. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Jay Day. Very nice pick. My sleeper this week, Kevin Kisner. You mentioned that All American group a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. where he's going to have some uh, some some trouble getting out of that first pool. But he is a is a sleeper. If he can get past Patrick Reed in that first group, I like Kevin Kisner. Played really well last week. Had that fifty four hole uh, co lead with Charlie Hoffman at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and almost won that event down the stretch. So I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner to uh, play really well this week. So my sleeper pick again is Tommy Fleetwood, and I'm going to just keep picking him until he wins because <laughs> he's playing that good. Um, he, I mean, he had another top 10 last week at the Bay Hills, so he made that long putt on 18 to keep in the top 10. So um, if he gets out of the group with Matt Kuchar, Brendan Steele, and Zach Johnson, I think he has a very good chance of winning just the way his golf game has been, you know, shaping up. Yeah, absolutely. So almost one well, a couple of weeks ago, and then one earlier in the year in Abu Dhabi. So he's been playing uh, yeah. some some fantastic golf, and he loves match play. I remember he uh, was mm-hmm. in the semifinals back when it was in San Francisco a few years ago. So Tommy Fleetwood is a very nice pick. Player who will not make it out of his pool. That, that's the that's the contest here that we're going with. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Jason Day, and you had him to win. So this will be another yeah. interesting one. We've done this a couple of times, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> Where you just go right against me, and you just disregard my winner. <laughs> yeah, That's sorry. Okay. sorry about that. Yeah, I don't know. He, he just seems to be uh, maybe a little bit off. Um, he's lost that second ranking in the world and has been playing his, his best golf. And I know that he loves match play, but um, I'm not sure. You, you always wonder about him because – He's either on or he isn't because of, you know, physically sometimes he's not all there. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But I, I'm, I'm going to say he does not make it out of his pool this week. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to go with Sergio Garcia. Hmm. Um, I mean, he has to go up. I mentioned it earlier. He has to go up against his countryman, um, John Rahm, in his group. So um, I, I just don't see him making it out of there. And I, I actually do think John's going to come out of there just because of the the, the way John has been playing recently, I, I think his golf game is in good hands and um, he's going to, you know, get out of the group, group number seven. But I am i don't think Sergio is going to do it this week. They're both playing some really good golf, but I could definitely see John Rahm making a, a, a nice run here. In the, yeah, in the and, I, and, I, and I believe that's the first match of that, of that group, I believe. That's maybe. the way to start it off. So whoever wins that may end up winning that pool. Correct. Correct. So that's all the time we have left today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look us up at Global Golf Post. Um, and you can find us and we tweet, we Instagram, we Facebook. So give us a follow and um, I guess we'll be back next week. I think we have a special guest next week. Is that right, Sean? We absolutely do. Super Bowl winner, two-time Super Bowl winner, Stephen Guskowski of the New England Patriots will be uh, joining us. He's an avid golfer and he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, about his golf game and about the similarities between kicking and playing golf. Awesome. Well, for Sean and I, that's all the time we have left. We'll see you next week. See you later. <laughs>